It's great to be together this morning, and uh, we'll finish up First John next week, but I wanted to stop here for uh, this week and look to uh, mothers. I probably should have said you'd probably want your fourth grader, fifth grader, and sixth grader in here to hear this, and you're welcome if you want to go get them because I am speaking to them per se, but maybe you've heard of the of John Whitehall. Have you heard about this guy? Because I don't know about you. I don't know what gift you got for your mom, if it's a card, if it's a physical gift, if it was a phone call. But John Whitehall, who was a wealthy Texan, wanted to send his mother an unusual, expensive gift for Mother's Day. And the owner of a pet shop told him of a minor bird well worth over $20,000. And John Whitehalls asked, what makes this bird so valuable? And the owner responded and he said that this minor bird is the only bird, imagine this, in the world that can recite the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm and 1 Corinthians 13. Imagine that, a bird being able to recite that from his own mouth. And so Whitehall said, I'll take it, okay? I'll take that bird. I don't care how much it costs. Mother is worth it, and we'll get so much comfort hearing it recite the Scripture. So he wrote the check, $23,000, and had it shipped to his mother. And the Monday after Mother's Day, he called uh, her long distance. Did you get my present? I certainly did, and thank you, she said. And he asked, how did you like the bird? Oh, son, it was delicious. (laughs) There you go. There you go. There you go. She ate that bird. Well, I don't know if your gift was worth that much to your mom, but today I want to focus, and and this is a blessing. You know, last year I did Proverbs 31, and... um, This year, I would like to focus on your children's response to their mother, okay? What does the Word of God say to children regarding that aspect of honoring their mother? So this word is to the children, to the children, to the young children, to children in the home, to first graders, second graders, third, fourth, fifth, and up, if you will. It's certainly to junior high students. I hope they're here. And it's to high school students. It's to college students who are still accountable. I would say it's for singles still who have a mom. It's for parents who have children. It's for grandparents that you would make sure that you're seeking to not just only dote on those kids, but at the same time that you would be a godly grandparent. Listen, here's the big picture. To honor your mother, easy, is to honor God. And to dishonor your mother is to dishonor God. That's the principle from the Scripture. To honor your mother is to honor God, and to dishonor your mother is to dishonor God. 
And what I want to do here, and we're going to look at selective scriptures, so I'm outside my normal expositional teaching, but I want to look at the scripture and look at three vital truths from the Word of God in honoring moms that lead to blessing. Three truths from the Word of God in honoring moms that lead to blessing. And I think you see it there on your notes. There's an attitude that needs to be advanced, an activity from the Word of God that needs to be avoided, and there is an authority that must be accepted. You know, when I think about our church, I just get so fired up about it. I mean, when David tells me, like, as you sit here, there's over 100 people next door, it just fires me up. When I go to reality on Monday night and I look at our junior high kids or students and then see them, I get excited. When I walk in and I see my daughter with an open Bible every week, reading her Bible, going over the booklet that she's going through in her small group on Monday night, it just pumps me up. And then I think of all our little kids that are coming up. But I want to be able to set the standard for you as parents. I mean, the Word of God is not unclear. It's crystal clear on what a child's responsibility is in the home. And I hate to say child because when you begin to look at that Greek word, begin to fan it out into biblical literature, it goes beyond, well beyond, even just a teenager. And I'll explain that in a moment. So an attitude to be advanced, an activity to be avoided, and an authority to be accepted. Let's first look at the attitude that must be advanced. Look over to Ephesians 6. We'll start there on this attitude that must be advanced. And you know, as we come to the Scripture, I believe this is the only command in all of the New Testament given to children. You think, well, there's just so many commands. Well, no, there's not. This is the only one. Now, of course... The other scriptures that come in in the sanctification process for a believer all enter there. But if you say, Scott, what does the Bible say? Bam, it's right here. And it says there, and we'll touch on this in a moment. 6.1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And then here's the attitude. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So the attitude to be advanced there in 6.2 is to honor your father and your mother. Now, the text says it's the first commandment with a promise. It is derived, is Ephesians 6.2, out of the Old Testament in Exodus 20, verse 12, where in Exodus 20, verse 12, it says to honor your father and your mother. And honor really is the attitude, okay? Obedience is the act. So a child is to, in 6-1, obey their parents, but the attitude behind that act is honor. Now, honor here is the Greek word tomao, and it just, not tomato, but tomao, okay? It, It speaks of a reverent honor. It's the best way to say it. Okay, John 5.23 uses that same word to speak of reverence and honor towards God. In fact, it says in John 5.23, all that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. You say, that's a big verse. Yeah. 
In other words, that honor given to the Son and that honor that to be given to the Godhead, if you will, is that honor that a child should show in his home. And so children, you children, I suppose I should have told you to keep all your kids in here, is to honor your mother because it is a God-ordained position and authority. God set up the family. So the attitude put forth in Scripture is one of honor. That word for honor is used in the Old Testament. It's interesting. It's a Hebrew term, and it's, it's kaved or kavod. And it's the word that we use for glory. And if some, it's the word for the glory of God. And the word glory meant heavy. It meant weighty is, is the thought. Something was heavy. Something was weighty. In fact, even when it talked about somebody who was overweight, it said that they were heavy. They were kavod, and that would be a physical weight. But then the word was used in, in a metaphorical sense to describe something that was heavy, weighty, to be honored. The idealist, man, that's just heavy. That's highly esteemed. And so what was true in the Old Testament was true of God. It was to fix value on something. And so here, as you translate that, it means, if you can believe this, we're so far from it in our society, children are to venerate their parents. MacArthur said it this way, they are to hold them in such high respect that they regard their parents with a sense of awe. That's what the Bible says. That's the attitude, a sense of awe. Look back in your Bible in the book of Leviticus. Would you look there for just a moment? Let me just take you to a couple different places. Look in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter, where where is that? Um, Chapter 19. Look there. And, and you'll see here the commands given. It says in 19, uh, look there. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And every one of you, here's our word, shall revere his mother and his father, and shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. They are to revere, is the word, the mother and the father. So the rejection then of mother's authority is a rejection of God's authority. And if I could say it this clearly, the rejection of God's authority is an attempt to be God themselves. That's how straight the Scripture is. You say, well, what does that look like, though, Scott, when a child doesn't honor his mother? Well, what does dishonor look like? I can tell you what dishonor looks like. I don't want to be impractical here of kiss, of course. Dishonor is to knowingly disobey your mom. That's a sinful attitude. It is to make fun of them. It is to not speak to them when they greet you. It is to make, as a child, 
threatening statements to mom or to make hurtful remarks to mom. That's a failure to honor her. It is to grumble inwardly or outwardly about decisions your mom makes. It is to talk back to mom. It is to question mom. It is to give unasked for explanations. All of those are signs of disrespect. It is to speak to her in an irreverent way or to speak to mom in anger. It is to say to mom, I'll do it in a minute, or mom, just wait. That's all a lack of honor. It is to push for something after being told no. It is to not listen to your mother when you are being spoken to. It is to sigh when they speak to you. It is to shrug your shoulders when they speak to you. It is to give a sour look when told to do something. All of that is dishonor. See, the scripture is very high here. And I'd say to you parents, that's the standard that must be sought and protected and set in the home. You say, well, what happens when a child does not dishonor their mother. Well, look over in Deuteronomy. This is just frightening. I mean, yes, it's in the Old Testament. Look, though, physically in Deuteronomy chapter 21. You say, well, what happened if they didn't honor mom? Well, I'll show you. Uh, Particularly a rebellious son, but in Deuteronomy 21, in verse 18, if a man is a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father, or here it is, or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline, he will not listen to them, and his father and mother shall take a hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst and all Israel shall hear and what? Fear. Can you imagine what that was like? Each. Hey, where's so-and-so? Oh, you didn't hear? Oh, oh, yeah, they, they took him outside the city. I mean, this is an extreme case, though, right? But you, you imagine the fear that would come into the community? And obviously, this is an extreme case. But listen, the Bible's very clear. Children are to honor their parents. That's the attitude that must be advanced. If you're here this morning, you have a responsibility. It's the only responsibility of the New Testament communicated in Colossians 3 as well, that children and students and singles are to regard your mom with a sense of awe. But then secondly... There's an activity to be avoided, an activity to be avoided. You say, well, what must they avoid? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look over in Proverbs 15. Scripture's clear here. This got to be something that's, that, that must be avoided. Proverbs 15 is very clear here that this should be avoided, where it says there in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20, that a wise son makes a a glad father, but a foolish man, what? Despises his mother. Listen, if you want to be blessed, you don't, 
you got to avoid this. Despise, we would say to despise, it means to hold your mom in contempt, to disdain mom. In fact, the word here on verse 20, despises his mother, means to give her little worth. Little worth. And it conveys the idea of undervaluing something. It is just a disrespect. Do you remember how that word was used in a different context? Remember of Esau. When it said that Esau in Genesis 25 verse 34 despised his birthright. For him, it didn't mean anything. For him, it was just, it, it was, it, it, he held it in contempt, my birthright. Man, I'm hungry. What a fool. What an absolute fool to disdain or to despise his birthright. Well, how much greater for a daughter to despise her mother? How much greater for a son to give his mom of little worth? In fact, that word despise there in 1520, where it says a foolish man despises his mother, was used of Goliath in 1 Samuel 17.42. When, do you remember when Goliath came out onto the field? Would that be so cool? In fact, I can't wait to take you there. We're going in a couple years. I want to take you out to that field where they feel that battle took place. And when Goliath ran out to the field, it says that he despised David's youth. Can you just imagine how cocky he was? I mean, he was was way taller than Shaquille O'Neal. And he's bigger. And then out comes this teenager. And Goliath is like, who are you? You puny man. I mean, you know, I mean, it just, he despised David's youth. And here, to despise your mother is a refusal to consider her of any worth or any value. You say, well, you know, you might even be listening to me as a student right now, blowing me off. But all I know is Proverbs says this in 3017, the I, that mocks a father and scorns a mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Wow. Sometimes when I tell that to Johnny or I tell Johnny he needs to obey me, he says, man, I don't want the eagles picking my eyes out. So, Dad, I'll do it, you know. I'll do it. In fact, look back in Proverbs, if you will, okay? Proverbs. As you turn to Proverbs 1, you think of that Scripture there in, in Proverbs thirty seventeen go to one, but it says, The eye that mocks a father scorns his mother. The ravens of the valley will pick it out. The young eagles will eat it. Matthew Henry said the dead bodies of malefactors were not to hang all night, but before the ravens would have picked out their eyes. And he said, If men do not punish undutiful children, God will load those with the greatest infamy that conduct themselves haughtily, or that conduct themselves haughtily towards their presence. And it says, Many who have come to a horrifying end have owned that the wicked courses that brought them to it begin in contempt with their parents' authority. Man, this is a high standard. 
You got to, you know, here's the attitude to advance honor. Here's what you must avoid is despising. Look at Proverbs 1, 8 and 9. And part of this is for you parents, right? Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And I love this. Verse 8, and forsake not your mother's teaching. There, that ideal of to forsake, think about our society, is to quit, is to, is to reject a mother's instruction. Listen, I don't care if you're a college student. I don't care if you're a single who's 30. This applies, okay? This applies. This is not talking to little kids. That attitude of honor goes beyond the home. And that aspect here, you don't want to despise him even when you're out of the home. Look over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6 and verse 20. Look at it there where it says, My son, here's just Solomon walking with his son through the game of life. And he says, In Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep your father's commandments. And here it is again. Forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. In other words, don't forsake her. Bind them. Tie them around your neck. And when you walk, they will lead you. And when you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandments is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. You know, some have said to me, I mean, I've worked with students all my life. All my life. All my life. And I've, I've, I've heard it all. And uh, I've heard people say, but my mom's old. My mom, pastor's unsaved. My mom's out of touch. Pastor, my mom wears funny clothes, okay? Blah, 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 okay? I say, be careful. So why should you be careful? Well, turn over in Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 23. Here's why I'm telling you to be careful. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is what? Old. Do not despise. In other words, do not treat her as insignificant. Look back in Proverbs to Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10. Let me just take you through a few of these. And they're replete, are they not, throughout the Word of God? Proverbs 10.1, where it says that a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son, watch this, is a sorrow to his mother, or literally a grief maybe to his mother. And here that word for grief or sorrow It is to cause sorrow, the idea of anguish, even heaviness. And the idea of that word there, sorrow to your mother, is to give your mom mental sorrow, okay? So here, if you're wise, you make your dad happy. And if you're uh, a foolish son, you grieve your mother. 
You give her emotional sadness. Look over in the Bible to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. There is a tremendous scripture there, very similar. But Proverbs 17, 25 says that a foolish son is a grief to his father, and a little different word, and bitterness to her who bore him. This is a passion of mine. We want to have strong families. When I, when I think of nearly 100 kids over there, I'm just thinking, I want you to be able to experience the joy of a son obeying and the joy of a son or daughter obeying mom. And here it says there in 1725, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Listen, many of you parents have young kids. Time to do it is now. Time to do it is now. You need to be on it now. And hear that word for bitterness in 1725 just speaks of disappointments. Just speaks of disappointing them. You say, how do I grieve or cause bitterness to my mother? By disobeying her? By lying? By stealing? Or you know how, you know how Esau did it? He dated the wrong girls. So does, it, does the Bible say that? Yeah, the Bible says that. In Genesis 26, 35, it says that Esau, quote, made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. You students ought to have a line of authority, mom and dad, with the guy that you might date if you're a girl. And if you're a son... Your first opportunity is to bring that girl to you because you don't want to make that grief. They, Esau made life miserable. That's what the Bible says. For Isaac and Rebekah. Look over to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 26. And he who does violence to his father and chases away his mother is a son who brings shame and reproach. Wow. Disgraceful is the thought, is the ideal of reproach. And it's a Hebrew term which means to display shame, to cause embarrassment, to humiliate your mom and dad. Look over to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29. Listen, you understand why I'm so fired up about the burger bash? You understand why I want you parents to come? Do you understand that what we'll say out of my mouth and Andy's mouth and the leadership's mouth, we're excited all the way through high school. We don't just want your kids in a good way. We want to come alongside you and help and walk, but we at the same time want to be aggressive. And I just can't tell you what a joy it is to see my daughter with an open Bible and an open book and come out of absolute joy at a Caitlin Anderson's house on Monday and say, Dad, I love Bible study. Dad, I witnessed to my teacher today. I mean, this, but listen, you don't get there playing games all the time, right? 
You don't get there without a focus. You don't get there without the right staff. You don't get there without the right energy and the right setup. But listen, we're going for it, okay? And I just want you to know that that's our heartbeat as a leadership. And even though my kids are, I guess I still got kids, they're, they're not so old, I'm fired up about that. Do you know how excited I am about our five students on their way to Albania? I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited about the seven college students that are helping this summer that are going to give us some bandwidth, if you will, at Summerfest to our kids. We're so excited about that because this stuff is so important. We want to have a structure here and be able to teach you, and that's why I've got Austin Duncan coming in for Summerfest, why I'm bringing Dave Muxlow. He's got wisdom that you, you ought to be there. You ought to be dragging people with you because I don't know if they're going to get it anywhere else. And I don't know if we're like the only church that hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. I don't want to say that. But as I put my ear to the ground, I don't know too much of what's going on. But I'm excited about the opportunity that we have. And we got to have you there. I'm bringing my friend Chris Mueller in. He's going to do a great job. We got Jeremy McMorris. I mean, he's up there with Bodie Bauckham now, okay? He's dealing in a deal with the Father's responsibility, right, out of Ephesians 6.4. I'm fired up about that, Jeremy. I'm so excited what the Lord's doing. Why? Because, listen, we, this window goes so, sh- so quickly, does it not? And the kids are, I mean, every time I looked at my twins, they were, like, growing in the crib. And all I know, like Patty, when they held those twins up, the best part of my day when I got home when they were born, I'd rush home to get in, well, don't laugh. I had this rocking chair. It was probably for nursing, but I had this rocking chair, right? And I'd put the binger in one arm and the bomber in the other arm, and I'd say, everybody out. You know, I just, you know, I just, and then they started growing. And now if I try to do it, you guys are too big. I mean, they're just, they're, it goes so quick and we've got an opportunity. We want to instruct you. We want to come alongside you. And I would say, we're just beginning. I'm just thinking, what classes we got going on to help the parents? Well, Summerfest, we're starting, okay? But even beyond that, because this stuff is so important. Look over to Proverbs 29, 29. And I I was, I mean, this this, what we must avoid is somewhat negative in Scripture, but it's there. 29.15, the rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings, what? Shame to his mother. And so, listen, here's the attitude to be advanced. It's honor. Here's the activity to be avoided. Do not despise. Thirdly and finally, because I, I don't want to get you out here late, you probably want to eat, don't you, with your families? Okay, so there's an authority that must be accepted. Go back to Ephesians, okay? Go back to Ephesians 6. An authority that must be accepted, and that is, in just a little different twist, children in 6.1, obey your parents in the, what? Lord. The authority to be accepted is that this is what God's Word says. And the Lord, Jesus Christ, is the authority, is he not? The ultimate authority is God mediated through his son, Jesus Christ. And so you are to obey and accept his authority. Now, obey, you, you know what obey means. I, I can't, 
Sometimes I get confused where I speak. You know, I was in Fresno this week speaking. I was getting, okay, did I say this? Or obey is, let me just tell you what it is, okay? You say, well, why would you, why would you want to tell me? Because it's in the Bible. You say, well, why do you want to tell me what obey is? Obey is obey. Well, yeah, let, let me tell you what obey is. Obey is hupo kuo, okay? And uh, kuo means to listen. So it's, it's, we call it a compound Greek word. Kuo means uh, to listen, okay? So whatever you're going to talk about obedience, it means that your children are listening to you. They're not like this when you're talking to them. Do you ever have to say, son, daughter, listen what to me? That's what the word means. So if you're not getting eye contact, they're blowing you off big time. So right there, they're disobedient. But it means to listen. And then hupo is just simply a preposition that means under. So when it says children, obey your parents, it means they are to listen under the authority of their parents. And the Word of God declares that children are to get under, and I hate to say children, teenagers, young adults, are to get under the authority of their parents and listen to them. And so if you say, listen to me, that's biblical, that's correct. You say, what does that mean to obey your parents? It means that you will do, I wish your kids were in to hear this, you will do what your parents say immediately immediately. It's called first-time obedience. That's the goal, right? Obedience is simply the willing submission of one person to the authority of another. And in this case, it's a child. So obedience then is not doing just what you are told. It is doing what you are told without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. That's the biblical standard, okay? That means children won't whine and say, do I have to? They won't cry and they won't pout because they need to be without excuse. It means that if you give them a command, they won't stomp out of the room, slam doors because they'll be without delay and it means that it will, they will be without challenge to you and you they won't roll their eyes because there's honor there. Now, of course, of course, of course, of course, parents, you must ensure that your, your children honor you, but you can never provoke them to wrath. That's Ephesians 6.4. That's another message. Ted Tripp gives a little communication to parents to secure this. Here's what Ted Tripp says, and I suppose he's talking about a mom because I wouldn't speak this way. But here's what he said. I am, mom speaking, I am sorry, dear, but you may not speak to me in that way. God has made me your mother and has said that you must treat me with honor. Now, let's see if there is a respectful way that you can express what you wish to say. That's good, huh? Or this one, dear, I am not one of your friends. You may speak to your friends in a flippant manner, but you may not speak to me in that way. Now, what is it that you wanted to say to me? It's good, huh? Or one more, dear, you cannot give me orders. 
You may make requests, but you cannot give me orders because God has made me the authority over you. How's that one? Write that one down. You guys should have pens that are burning right now. And listen, I just want to encourage you. Your kids who are cute now at two won't be cute if you don't train them. Your kids that you love and adore that you let get away with so much, if you don't corral them, you'll be in trouble. I was taught a principle early on. Patty, we tried to, at best, put it into practice. The funnel, right? That a lot of people, if you have a funnel and the funnel's open at the beginning and then it's narrow like if you're putting oil in a car, okay, that you should, you should funnel the opposite way, that the little part should be at the top so that when a child's early, they can't step outside of the small boundaries that you set for them in terms of their freedoms. They have little freedoms. There's, there's little boundaries because the boundaries are so narrow. As they get older, you begin to transfer your trust, we, we pray, from you in authority that as you begin to raise them, you begin to raise them vertically to obey the Lord by the time they're 13 so that they're answering to God on a vertical level in addition to answering to you on, at a home. But if you're, if you're not careful, some families do it just the opposite. The funnel is wide open from 0 to 12. And then when that teenager turns 13 and 14 and they don't like the color of their hair or the choice of their clothes or their lip ring or their nose ring, parents then, children, what do they do? They rebel. And the truth is the parents have given them so much freedom up until that point that now they're going to somewhat now narrow the gap And that's when teenagers rebel. I told the story yesterday at a men's conference. It's a very godly man. Uh, I'd call him a mentor of mine. His name was Fred Barshaw. And Fred was a pastor at Grace Community. And I'm just such a young whippersnapper. And I'd go into these counseling sessions with parents and teenagers. And teenagers out of control. And it was just intense. And I'd just sit there as a young guy. Fred was a 30-year unified L.A. school district principal. Won awards all over the state nationally. I mean, the guy was just brilliant. But Man, he had parenting down, and these parents would come in, and they'd be crying, and what do I do? And they sneak out at night, and they're going to their friends, but then they went to the football game, then they didn't really end up at that friends, then they ended up to this party, and, and I, they just bleed. And, this, and I, just, I thought, what would Fred say? And Fred would say to some of those parents, your kid is a free agent. I'm like, a free agent? I get the analogy in sports. Like, Dwight Howard is a free agent right now for the Lakers, is he not? And he t- I thought, man, Fred, tell him something more. And I'd have to go to him afterward, Fred, why did you say that? He said, Scott, because those kids have been running the home since they were five. They've been running the home, and now they're going to come in and clamp them down. So all Fred would try to do at that point is to work out a contract that the student, the child would sign so that there could be at least harmony in the home. But he felt like those kids, I shouldn't say five, some from the age of two were running the roost till they were 13. And then all of a sudden the funnel gets inverted from letting them do everything, at least when they're cute and you can half control them, to now bringing it narrow. And then those children would rebel. Listen, a word to you parents If you want to train and want respectful teenagers, that's done when they're 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Not when they're 13, 14, 15, and 16. 
Now listen, let me give you some hope. If you find yourself confronted with disrespectful teens, then grasp these concepts and talk with them about how you should have raised them and then start now. Okay, you can try. Now you say, why would a, how does a child and why would a child do this? Look at this. Don't miss the heart of this. Go back to Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians. It says, children are to do this in the Lord for this is what? It's right. It's right. Children, you obey your parents just because it's the, the right thing. So I just say it. Obedience is the act. Honor is the attitude. And I would tell you, at least when they get older, honor in some respects, goes beyond obedience because it involves the heart attitude. Now, parents, you understand that all of what I said will cave in if you provoke your children to anger. So now, don't forget this. One final thing. Don't forget. Look at verse 3. You do this that it may go well with you. Who's he talking to? He's addressing children, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. In other words, there's a blessing here. He's talking here, other scriptures in Exodus and in Proverbs that talk about the blessing of living long in the land. You say, well, Scott, what is that? It's a general rule of life, that obedience will always bring blessing. In fact, this is so clear that blessing will not come to you apart from honoring your parents, okay? And parents, I want you to never forget your child's obedience and your child's honor, don't miss this, is not so that you can be obeyed for your sake. Listen, you must be obeyed for their sake and their blessing. Do you understand that? You've got to be obeyed because you want them to be blessed. Because you love them and you want them to experience that it may go well with you, the children, and that you may live long on the earth. Ah, lots more stuff, but we're out of time.